Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. man to find, Galen. But farming. Really? Man of your talents? It's a peaceful life. Lonely, I imagine. Since Leo died, yes. Oh. Oh. My condolences. Search the house! My child. 
A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Those words evoke all sorts of feelings. I mean, even the music takes us back, right? And whether we grew up with Star Wars or maybe you've never viewed a single film in the Star Wars universe, we all know Star Wars. Welcome to At The Movies, week four. My name is Josh. I'm the teaching pastor here at Vertical Church. And today we are watching Star Wars Rogue One. And beneath the characters of the Star Wars family, there's a world caught in struggle, defined by conflict and war. You have the powers of good on one side, the force, and you have the powers of evil on the other side, the, the dark side who are methodically working to rule everything in the galaxy. The galaxy is governed by the Galactic Empire, but challenged by a growing rebel alliance. Now, the Empire, of course, has the Death Star, this huge planet-destroying weapon, and every time they build it, the good guys, the Force, they blow it up, and then the bad guys, they rebuild it again, right? Now, you think they would learn their lesson eventually and try a different tactic, but that's another sermon for another series. Rogue One is the story behind the story of episode four, which is actually the first movie that was made. Don't try to figure that out. Just go with me. Rogue One follows Jen Erso, a little girl who lives an idyllic life on a remote farm with her family. And the Empire comes, kills her mother, and kidnaps her father. Fifteen years later, her father is now the lead engineer for the Death Star project. And at the same time, however, he's also kind of the lead engineer of hope because he has secretly built a vulnerability into the Death Star. And he smuggles this message to his daughter, Jen. This is the message I was sent. So, if you are watching this, then perhaps there's a chance to save the Alliance. Perhaps there's a chance to explain myself, and though I don't dare hope for too much, a chance for Jen, if she's alive, if you can possibly find her, to let her know that my love for her has never faded, and how desperately I've missed her. Jen, my stardust. I can't imagine what you think of me. When I was taken, I faced some bitter truths. I was told that soon enough Krennic would have you as well. As time went by, I knew that you were either dead or so well hidden that he would never find you. I knew if I refused to work, if I took my own life, it would only be a matter of time before Krennic realized he no longer needed me to complete the project. So I did the one thing nobody expected. I lied. I learned to lie. I played the part of a beaten man resigned to the sanctuary of his work. I made myself indispensable, and all the while, I laid the groundwork of my revenge. We call it the Death Star. There is no better name, and the day is coming soon when it will be unleashed. I've placed a weakness deep within the system, a flaw so small and powerful they will never find it. But Jen, Jen, if you're listening, my beloved, so much of my life has been wasted. 
I try to think of you only in the moments when I'm strong because the pain of not having you with me, your mother, our family, the pain of that loss is so overwhelming, I risk failing even now. It's just so hard not to think of you. Think of where you are. My stardust. So, the reactor module, that's the key. That's the place I've laid my trap. It's well hidden and unstable. One blast to any part of it will destroy the entire station. You'll need the plans, the structural plans for the Death Star to find the reactor. I know there's a complete engineering archive in the data vault at the Citadel Tower on Scarif. Any pressurized explosion to the reactor module will set off a chain reaction that will destroy the entire station. Hope comes alive when they get this message. There's this vulnerability uh, in in the Death Star that um, that they can uh, use to take out this super massive weapon, right? And if you watch the movie, the Hope creates this uh, tenacity, this willpower, this sense of strength uh, to tackle. Uh, what is seemingly impossible, and many of us have experienced the same thing. Like you have, you have experienced a time when you uh, discovered a hope that gave you strength or um, gave you the willpower to push ahead. Let me explain it this way: um, you've you've probably had a time in your life where you experienced hope in a relationship. Maybe it was a marriage, or maybe it was a friendship, or maybe it was a, a coach that really just encouraged you. And that relationship, the hope, the and, and hope is really just you know an expectation for a better future. So this expectation, this hope, uh, gave you strength to make it through a difficult season. Like we've all experienced that kind of hope, hope from a, a relationship that we that we have. Maybe you've had a hope in a career. Uh, let's say that uh, perhaps you were uh, going up for a promotion and, and your hope for that promotion to advance in your career, to climb up the ladder, kind of gave you the, the determination, the willpower to work hard and to continue and to persevere. Um, maybe, maybe you went to the doctor and you got a, a bad report from the doctor. You didn't see it coming. Whatever it was, you didn't see it happening. But the hope that you have for a cure, the hope that you have that you will get better, it, it gave you the tenacity to fight harder. It gave you the, the tenacity that you needed to wake up every morning and rage against whatever was attacking your body. You see, hope is a good thing. It, it resonates inside of us. It, 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 it wakes up and, and, and enlivens us to something that is possible. In fact, we could say it this way. We could say hope changes everything. When you have hope, then, then even if you don't have ground to stand on, you still have something that you are pursuing. But the problem with hope is it has a foundational flaw. It, it's not perfect. It has a it has a flaw, and this is this is the flaw. See, when hope is connected to a circumstance, what happens when that circumstance changes? When hope is connected to that relationship, what happens when that relationship doesn't work out? 
What, if hope is connected to your marriage and, and, and we're going to have a better marriage and I can always rely and depend on this person. Hey, even if the marriage doesn't go south, what happens if that person passes away? What do you do? Where does your hope go if it's grounded and built on this relationship? If it's built on a career, on an advancement, on a promotion, what happens, with, what happens when instead of getting the call to come into the office, hey, congratulations, you get the call, you go into the office, I'm sorry, your job's being phased out. But what happens to your hope when the circumstance changes? And the reason I bring that up is because some of us are here, some of us are in the room this morning, an auditorium floor here, here at the Regal Cinema, some of us are here, and we are on the heels of circumstantial hope. We have, been, we have been building everything on circumstantial hope, but the problem is when the circumstance shifts, hope becomes fleeting. And when the circumstance changes, when the, when the situation morphs a little bit, and it's not what you thought it was going to be, then suddenly hope is gone. You see, here's the truth. There are two very different kinds of hope. There are two very different kinds of hope. And the first one is this. Look at this on the screen. There's hope for something. That's circumstantial hope. That's situational hope. And then there's a second kind of hope. And as, as if you are a follower of Jesus in the room, you know that there is only one person in all of, all of our uh, existence that we can put our hope in. There's, there's hope for something. And then there is hope in someone. Now, the interesting thing is the Bible is full of hope. It's like on every page, right? Like you flip through and then all of a sudden, bam, there's hope, right? And what I want to do this morning is I want to look at this letter written by an early Christian leader. Uh, his name's Peter. He was, he was one of the early leaders in the church, and he wrote a letter to a group of Jesus followers in modern-day Turkey who were struggling with hope. Um, their expectation for a better future was not being realized. In fact, uh, they were struggling really hard. They were being persecuted, and it was a difficult season in the church's life. And so he writes this letter to them to encourage them to keep going, to encourage them to keep fighting, to encourage them to keep hope alive. Now, side note, the real interesting thing about this letter, uh, Peter writes the letter from the city of Rome. And, and at this time, Rome is, is like where, per, where persecution is perfected. It is the epicenter of persecution. And so because of all of these, these, these insecurities and different leaders and different uh, power brokers and the, all these different political agendas, what that meant is that the Christians at the time bore the brunt of the persecution from Rome. And so Peter writes this letter of hope from the place where persecution reigned. It's interesting if you think about it. He wrote this hope-inspired, don't give up, don't give up hope, you have hope in Christ letter from the very center of persecution. If you want to put it in Star Wars terms, from the center of the evil empire, the galactic empire. He writes this letter, and so he writes this to just a rural, small community of Jesus people, because... He wants to remind them that even though you feel alone, even though you feel isolated, even though you feel like all of life is coming against you, you have a reason to hope. Look at this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. If you have a Bible, 
turn there, First Peter, it's going to be near the end. Uh, go through all the Gospels and Acts and just start flipping through the letters and you'll find First Peter. You could skip it because it's only five chapters, so be careful. Uh, if not, just look at the screen behind me. Here we go, First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In other words, Peter is saying to this small group, really think small group, don't you? Like, you might think church and you might think too big. I mean, think, think like small house church gathering of, of Jesus people. He writes to them and he says, I want you to understand something. There is a different kind of hope that is available to you. That's not circumstantial. It's not based on things that can change. It's not based on situations that can shift around depending upon which political person rises to power and which insecurity gets gets magnified. He says he says there is a living hope that has been birthed inside of you when you became a, a Jesus follower. It's grounded in His resurrection, a, a, a fact that will not change. Peter is saying, because here's the reality, whether you know this or not, this is true. There's more evidence that Jesus Christ rose from the grave than there is that Nero was ever alive in a Caesar in Rome. <laughs> like there's more evidence that Jesus lived, died, and rose again than there is that Augustus Caesar founded the empire of Rome. And so Peter is saying, I need you to understand something, even though you're going through a difficult time, suffering and persecution, you have a living hope that is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which will not change. And that hope has come alive in you because it's been birthed in you. Peter says there's a, there is a hope that you can tap into that's not about strength and it's not about willpower and it's not about tenacity. In fact, it's not, about, it's not a power to summon but a posture of surrender. When you surrender your life to Christ, Peter's saying there's a hope that is birthed in you and it, and it begins with Jesus and it's sustained by Jesus and it's perfected in Jesus because it's grounded in his Resurrection. So what I want to ask you this morning, the first question is, what's your hope built on? What, what is your hope built on? What is the foundation of your expectation for a better tomorrow? If it, is it built on a situation? Is it built on a circumstance? Is it built on a, on a, on a relationship? Is it built on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a desire to climb the ladder of success? Not that there's anything wrong with that per se, but is that what your hope is built on? Is it built on one day when you get the answers to the questions that you've been asking for years? Is that what your hope is built on? Or is your hope built on Jesus? Is your hope built on something that is steadfast and sure and grounded? Or is it built on something that shifts and changes and morphs? What's your hope built on? Now, I don't, I don't know if you ever follow the culture around Star Wars, but it's interesting. Okay? It's interesting. And if you've never thought about that, think about this. When it comes to Star Wars, we are more infatuated with the bad guys than we are the good guys. Right? Like, 
Halloween's coming up at the end of the month, right? And even though, uh, you know, this came out last year, we haven't had like a, a strong, you know, uh, I think it was a couple years ago, Kylo Ren. And, but think of, okay, when you look around, I guarantee you, you will see more Darth Vader's than you will Luke Skywalker's. You know what I'm saying? Like, we are infatuated with the bad guys. But in Star Wars, not counting the Force, right? Because we're not counting that. We're just talking about the Galactic Empire. They only have one weapon. They have the Death Star. Like, that is their, that is their pin ultimate. This is the, the, the center of our, um, uh, our, our offensive against the, 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 the galaxy is this Death Star. And the reality is, you can see the Death Star coming. <laughs> it's big, right? Like, you can spot it. A mile away. So let's jump into a, one more like clip of the movie, and then let's uh, let's wrap up our uh, discussion of Star Wars and our sermon on hope. So let's play that. I believe I owe you an apology, Director Krennic. Your work exceeds all expectations. You'll tell the Emperor as much. I will tell him that his patience with your misadventures has been rewarded with a weapon that will bring a swift end to the rebellion. And that that was only an inkling of its destructive potential. I will tell him that I will be taking control over the weapon I first spoke of years ago, effective immediately. stand here amidst my achievement, not yours! I'm afraid the recent security breaches have laid bare your inadequacies as a military director. The breaches have been filled. Cheddar has been silenced. You think this pilot acted alone? He was dispatched from the installation on Edu. Galen Erso's facility. I want to see about this. Lord Vader, you seem unsettled. No, just pressed for time. There's a great many things to attend to. My apologies. You do have a great many things to explain. I delivered the weapon the Emperor requested. I deserve an audience to make certain that he understands its remarkable potential. Its power to create problems has certainly been confirmed. A city destroyed. An Imperial facility openly attacked. I expect you not to rest until you can assure the Emperor 
that Galen Erso has not compromised this weapon in any way. So I'm still in command? You'll speak to the Emperor about this. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations, Director. <laughs> In Star Wars, the enemy has one weapon, the Death Star. And before it fires a shot, you know it's there. You can see it coming. Sometimes you can even run to safety and get away. But in real life, the enemy has more than one weapon. Our battle isn't with flesh and blood, but it does happen in darkness. In fact, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 that our enemy uh, is like a lion prowling, looking for someone to devour, which means he will use every weapon at his disposal. And Peter knows this, so in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Dear friends, I urge you. He says, I understand that our enemy, he doesn't play by a set of rules. He doesn't use just one big weapon, you overcome that and you're good. No, no, no. Peter knows that our enemy will use a million different weapons that you and I never see coming, but they will equally destroy us. So Peter says, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. In other words, we have to understand that when Christ is in us, this world is not our home. We have to think of ourselves like a foreigner or an exile, that even though we reside here, we have to make sure that here doesn't reside in us. Because if here resides in there, the enemy will use what's in there to attack you here. So Peter says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires. I love how Peter just owns our reality right up front. He says there's a brokenness inside each of us. We try to fix it. We try to find something to satisfy it. It ends up driving us to make decisions that can pull us closer to those desires and away from God. Peter just owns that. He says, listen, friends, you've got to understand what's in you because our enemy he isn't trying to use one big weapon and just destroy us all. No, no, no. He will use every weapon that exists in you to take you down. What are the desires in you that pull you away from God? Peter says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. That's a powerful image right there. Peter understands that there is a war going on inside us. And when we give in to our sinful desires, the enemy uses that. So you make a mistake, the enemy floods your heart with guilt. You step away from Christ, he fills your life with shame and condemnation. Confusion sets in and we're willing to step back and surrender to the hopelessness. But hope 
changes everything. You see, I believe that many of us have convinced ourselves that we have outpaced the mercy of Jesus. And friends, that is simply not true. What do you, what, what do you need this morning to surrender to Jesus? You've been searching for a plan to outrun your enemy, but the plan, the solution, is surrender. And not just a one-and-done surrender, but an everyday surrender. Now, back to Star Wars. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the community around Star Wars has a lot of passion. If you don't know what I mean, just show up at an opening night and look around. But the interesting thing is Jen Erso lived her life passionless, a girl on the run choosing in a way to have a purpose of having no purpose. But then hope arrives. And for the first time, she discovers a purpose worth fighting for. We must scatter the fleet. We have no recourse but to surrender. Are we really talking about disbanding something that we worked so hard to create? We can't just give in. We joined an alliance, not a suicide pact. We've only now managed to gather our forces. Gather our forces? General Draven's already blown up an Imperial base. A decision needed to be made. If it's war you want, you'll fight alone. If that's how it's going, why have an alliance at all? If she's telling the truth, we need to act now. Counselors, please. It's simple. The Empire has the means of mass destruction. The Rebellion does not. Death Star, this is nonsense. What reason would my father have to lie? What benefit would it bring him? To lure our forces into a final battle, to destroy us once and for all. Risk everything. Based on what? The testimony of a criminal. The dying words of her father, an Imperial scientist. But don't forget the Imperial pilot. My father gave his life so that we may have a chance to defeat this. So you've told us. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? What chance do we have? The question is what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now. Yes. Every moment you waste is another step closer to the ashes of Jeddah. What is she proposing? Just let the girl speak. Send your best troops to Scarif. Send the rebel fleet if you have to. We need to capture the Death Star plans if there's any hope of destroying it. You're asking us to invade an Imperial installation based on nothing but hope. Rebellions are built on hope. One of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Rebellions are built on hope. Peter writes this letter to these early followers of Jesus caught in this uh, vortex of, of, of fighting and, and, and persecution and suffering with much the same sentiment. Rebellions, and I don't know if you know this, but we as, as the church really kind of functions like a rebellion. We are rebelling against this world and its order and the, the ruler of this world. We are in open rebellion to him and his plans and and rebellions, just like Jen Arsher said, rebellions are built on hope. What, what chance do we stand? That's not even the right question. The question is not what chance do we stand, but what choice do we have? 
with a with an enemy this evil and with a with, with a with a force this this destructive to our friends and our family. We don't have a chance. We don't have a choice. The church is so small. We don't, we don't stand a chance against the enemy. Chance. We don't have a choice but to fight, but to wage war. But all of this on hope? Of course all of this on hope because rebellions are built on hope. And our hope changes everything. It changes our purpose. This is what Peter said. Check this out. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. He says, each of you should use whatever, you, whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Hope isn't an ending. It's a beginning. Hope isn't meant to end with us, but as that hope is born in us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and it comes alive in us, it changes our purpose to then maybe to make the biggest contribution any of us will ever make in our lifetime to take that living hope and give it away and to share it to distribute it to everyone who, every time we encourage you to invite, every time we encourage you to tell your story of what God is doing in your life, we're saying we want you to serve others with the hope that you have been given. The hope with which God has, has, has changed your life, we want you to give that away. We're, we're, we want you to share the hope, to be a faithful steward of the grace of God that you have received. And the, and, and the reality is that most of the people that we live life with, their life is built on a circumstantial hope, which is why they come to you when their world crashes. This is why they come to you when their world starts falling apart because they, they look at you and you're, they're, they're like, well, you seem different. Your hope seems to rise above the circumstances and they don't understand it, but they want something like that. So they come to you. And our job is to share. I mean, it leads us to this. This is the final thought and then we're going to pray and, and wrap up. Christianity is about taking the hope of God sharing it with others listen this is like the main reason we are here the the world this world is not all there is one day we're going to stand face to face with jesus and our purpose on this side of eternity is to share hope it's not to climb a corporate ladder though that might be your story that might be how god positions you and on a platform to share hope with people that would, that's awesome. That's great. If that's the direction your life takes, wonderful. But understand the purpose behind that is so that you might share hope. So that you might be a steward of the grace of God. It's not to make our name famous. It's not to do whatever makes us happy, but to do whatever makes us holy, which is sharing the hope of Christ. To everyone that we come across. Whatever you do in life, understand this. You are uniquely qualified to do this one thing. To share hope people to take to take the hope of God that he's given and put in your life and to give it away to others so the question who are you giving it to who are you sharing it with are are, are you a hope hoarder or a hope distributor <laughs> are you sharing that hope with people rogue one closes in the middle of all this chaos and they're successful like Jen Jen Arso's team they wins but if you've never seen the movie, spoiler alert, 
the, it's terrible. Everybody dies. Every, everybody in the movie, like all the good guys, all the, they all die. It's not a feel-good movie. If you want a feel-good movie, watch The Notebook, okay? Um, this is not one. It is. It's touching. This is not touching. This is what? The jump? This is everybody died. I know everybody dies in The Notebook. Anyway, let's just move on. Here's what I want you to see. In Star Wars Rogue One, everybody pays the price for hope. Everybody pays the price. Everybody gives their life because rebellions are built on hope. Not only are rebellions built on hope, but I think churches that change their community are built on hope. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you, God, for the hope that has been birthed in us and has come alive in us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, there are those of us in the room, we've had that experience. We've had that uh, moment in our life where hope was born. And we move from circumstantial hope to foundational hope. We move from a hope that can change to a hope that will never change. A hope that can collapse to a hope that will never fall. And so today, God, those of us who have experienced that hope, that where, where it has come alive in us, Lord, would you challenge us now to take the step and begin to share it with others, to share it, to give it away, to trust that it's, the more we give it away, the more you supply in our lives, that we can never give more than you're willing to give back to us. This morning while we're praying, you might be thinking of someone in particular that God wants to wants you to share the hope of Christ with. They may be their their face might be in your in your you know pictured in your mind right now, their name. You might be thinking about them when you're going to see them tomorrow or today or something. And God right now, He's leading you to share hope with them. To share, to share the hope of Jesus Christ with them. And you say, I don't know how to do that, Pastor Josh. I don't, I don't understand. I, I'm afraid I'll get it wrong. I'm afraid I'll say something off, off the mark. Here's the deal. Just share what he's done in your life. The hope that he's given. That's all you've got to share. You don't have to share a theology. You don't have to share three points and a, and a conclusion. You don't have to do all of that. Just tell your story. Here's what God did for me did it for me, I know he'll do it for you. That's it. Just share the hope that he's given you. If you've never experienced that hope, you can do that today. You can, you can, you can experience the hope that comes alive in you, which is the foundation on which you stand, that will never shift, that will never change, it will never, never crumble beneath your feet. It will be as sure as ever in your life. If that's you, just pray and, and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you today. I admit that I'm, that, I, that I'm far from you, but I believe you are the Son of God. And today, I, I, I declare you as my Savior. Come into my life. Change me. Give me that living hope that never changes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. 
Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.